produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Guru. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. And I'm going to say, hearing that tag for CAD audio, I don't know about you guys. I am still loving my CAD Audio MH510 headphones. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to admit, it's kind of part of my uh, ritual now. Like, once I put these things on, I feel like I'm ready to rock. <laughs> you know? I, I took It's kind of like war paint, a little over but a year, not as messy. A little over a year ago when, when my dad passed away, I took a pair with me. <laughs> I, I took, because I've got uh, two pair. I got my original set, which is, well, was my original set. It's now my daughter's. And then the one the set I've got now um mm-hmm. but man being on the plane isolation was nice <laughs> and it's like yep i'm just gonna watch something and try and fall asleep since it's six o'clock in the freaking morning oh yeah but, so it's kind of like a little portable upgrade to first class and i was sitting in first class <laughs> well there you go and i was plugged into their their seat the their video system with the five tens comfortable oh, anyway yeah. um want to plug again check out on the website mightymarvelgeeks.net our new store from team yeti uh it's the picture that's got the rotating shirts hats whatever uh got some great looking stuff there um so check that out um other than that how you guys going doing going whatever (laughs) (laughs) i I like to think of today as friday eve unfortunately for me since since we record these issues on thursday nights this is my monday or my my sunday oh snap yep back to work the next tomorrow well the day after recording um yeah work's been crazy enough i'll just leave it to i hope there's no chinese collusion on this show (laughs) i we we, look we are we are a semi-secret we're part of a semi-secret intelligence international intelligence agency that might be legal, might not be, depending on who's writing and in which universe you're operating in. So it, it is the world's premier secret agent network. So of course everybody knows about it. Exactly. Yeah, but I think that's why there are times though I think they've forgotten about us. Well, 
But, you know, considering some of the things we pulled off, I think it's kind of nice that they have, you know. That 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 invisibility works both ways now. That's true. You couldn't have got that aquarium if Fury had been paying attention. As, exactly. True. See? See? And, 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 you know, we, and, and, you know, for one thing, those uh, upgrades to the Hellabus and, and to the Hellabago that, that I requisitioned, they, they were never questioned at all. I mean, you don't think the thought- FAA is going to let that thing fly if they knew about it? <laughs> That's why we try to keep it above the clouds, right? I, 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 I guess that is I the know. Edsel of the airways. <laughs> <laughs> It is, but people look at the Edsel now and they realize what a classic that what a classic it is, right? So see, you know? see, in about fifty years, people say the same thing about the Hellabus. Yeah, <laughs> but but there is one nice thing. You think Fury's hiding something? He's a spy, Captain. He's the spy. His secrets have secrets. So That's we true. are we the secrets that the secrets have secrets of? Quite possibly. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. But this isn't a secret because it broke as we were recording or the day we recorded. Um, apparently, Sc- Scarlett Johansson has landed a fifteen million dollar payday for her upcoming role for the character she plays, Black Widow, and that is same that is the same amount of money as some of her male co stars. Good. Good. Exactly. I'm all for it. You know. So uh, this amount is the same as what Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth have been paid for their roles in Infinity War and both of their last solo movies, as well as the upcoming Avengers Four. Of course, Robert Downey Jr. is still making a lot more than all of them. But then again, he's been the common thread in all of them. Okay, I don't mind that because seriously, Robert Downey Jr has been the like you said the the common thread he is the core of the MCU he is and I think that worth that's worth a little bit extra scratch when it comes time to to sailing the deal but it's good to see Scarlett Johansson getting yeah. getting a comparable salary to everybody else right well here here's the other thing too with, with Robert Downey jr if his performance wasn't solid in Iron Man the the MCU wouldn't be where it's at today. You're absolutely right. But me personally, I think though it's Chris Evans, Captain America that helped drive that final nail into the coffin and really give that Batman Superman type relationship with Iron Man, Captain America in the MCU. Yeah. Not in the comics, but in the MCU. Yeah. And this is what I don't really get when people try to diss the MCU or the Marvel movies. Kind of like, well, they just took a dump on all the comic book history. It's like, dude, they're not trying to recreate the comic book history. No. Some of these characters, like, you know, Thor uh, Thor came out in 62, 63. So we're talking 55 years. Uh, Iron Man, you know, Captain America has 70 years of history. Yep. Yeah. You're not going to be able to capture all that in a two-hour movie. No. So what do no. you do? You start creating a new continuity that pays over 
homage to the comic book history and hopefully does it justice. Let's see. And, and I think that's one of the things that the MCU has done right or Marvel Studios has done right. They The stories are inspired by, like Captain America's first Avenger, inspired yeah. by mm-hmm. the origin, the original origins of Cap. Iron Man, inspired by the origins of Iron Man. Now, I believe there was another storyline in there as well, which I'm not too familiar with a lot of the Iron Man story arcs. Well, to be honest with you, I'm not too familiar with a lot of the independent character story arcs. All right. But Well, I mean... It was seamless. It was it was great. It it's you didn't. It felt like it was one whole story arc, movie wise. Unlike the distinguished competition where you watch Batman, Heart Superman, The Yawn of Justice, and you're going, okay, are they trying to do Dark Knight Returns? Are they trying to do Death of Superman? Are they trying to do Kingdom Come? Are they trying to do Trinity? What direction are they going? The stories in the MCU are keeping pretty solid and if they merge two together they're hitting the two together pretty seamlessly well you know the thing about okay like all right let, let, if, if you look at iron man and i know uh, there are some people like you know well it, it's not really iron man but yes it is you know number one why take it back to vietnam there's no reason for that number two it, it took the main point. No, that wasn't of, Vietnam, though. No, well, no, in the movie, well, in the comics, it, it was Vietnam. Right. But in the movie, it was uh, the second Gulf War. And, and they, they were still able to take the key points of what happened in the original origin story right. and bring in the modern uh, aspect of him uh, of him being public with with his identity. Yeah. I love that, you know? Um, and, you know, with, with Cap, you know, well, to me, one of the key things was, number one, I did didn't expect them to bring in the Howling Commandos, and they did. Now they brought in the Howling Commandos without the original Nick Fury, but you know what? It worked. I yeah. and, and we're still what are we doing here? We're, we're sitting here still asking for a Howling Commandos series because it was just that good. You know what? Disney Play. Yes. Let's make it do happen. You think? Well, I, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but do you think Chris Evans would ever make an appearance in a Howling Commandos Disney Play series. I th- I think so. I, I think I, I think he would. I think he'd be willing to do a flashback. Yes. With the whole yeah, for him to be a flashback. Of course, Howling Commandos would be a, a normal thing. Right. But I mean, if he if he shows up once every season and 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 it's not a contract thing, but they just say, hey, we're going to pay you this much, pop in. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to don the suit. Just need to be in there a military uniform. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, I mean, it, it has been noted, Marvel Studios, getting back to the story, Marvel doesn't usually pay nearly this amount for a first solo film, even with... Chadwick Boseman and Brie Lawson. Now, both of them earning a lot less for their first solo in outings. But we're talking about a character who, yeah, is her first solo film, but she's but been there eight years. She's been there since Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Which is about the eight-year mark. Yeah. Yep. Or, well, the two-year mark, which puts second year in, like, 2011, I think it was? I can't remember. Or 2010, something like that. But she's been in almost every I mean, she's been another thread 
since then? She has been in all three Avengers movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was in Iron Man 2. Right. She was in a Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was in Captain America Winter Civil, Civil War. War. Right. That's six movies. It's about time for her to earn the big bucks. Yes, it is. You know, we've been, I mean, we've been asking for, or we haven't been asking, we've been screaming for a Black Widow movie. Oh, yeah. You know, I, and I, like I said, it, it's, it's due, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the same note, Evans has tweeted, uh, officially wrapped on Avengers 4. It was an emotional day to say the least. Playing this role for over the last eight years has been an honor to everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in the audience. Thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. And of course, now it's him in the in the suit. You know, one of the more popular press photos. Um, mm-hmm. So Evans, 37, uh, started in 20, in 2011 with first first Avenger and would go on to play the fan favorite through Avengers, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Civil War, Infinity War, as well as a cameo in a number of other films from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, some of the biggest stars have come out and weighed in on this response, such as, I'm not crying, I'm weeping. There's a difference. Ryan Reynolds. Um, you know, I... It- <sighs> I think that if it weren't was if it was not for the MCU, right. Deadpool would not be a thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So I think I think anybody that stars in a Marvel movie or a superhero movie, especially one in the MCU or Sony or Fox, whatever, I think they owe a great deal to yeah. Chris and Robert Downey Jr. and basically everybody who has been in a Marvel superhero movie or excuse me, a Marvel Studios movie up to this point. Yeah. Well, here, here, Almost definitely. This one came as a surprise too. And, uh, and there's, there, there's a positive stink to this, so to speak. Uh, what a run you had, brother. Congrats on breathing life into such a iconic character. Keep on keeping on. Dwayne, can you smell what the rock is cooking? Johnson. That was a whole lot of respect that we're smelling off of that tweet. Oh, yeah. Well, so, you know, the thing is, you want uh, every actor wants to have at least one character that you like when people think of a character, that's who they're thinking of. Yeah. You know, and with Chris like, Evans, it, it, it's lucky that he was able to get that because mm-hmm. otherwise the role that they would have thought about him was the human torch. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, how about this? Uh, Evans himself wasn't initially sure if he would accept the role when Marvel offered it to him back in 2010. Um, but he eventually did and beat out stars such as John Krasinski, Garrett yep. Hedlund, Michael Cassidy, Patrick Fluger, Scott Porter, Wilson Bethel, Mike Vogel, and Chase Crawford. And none of those names sound anywhere near familiar to me. John, uh, the well, only reason why, like, at, at the time, John Krasinski was uh, wrapping up The Office. And it was hard for me to picture him as Steve Rogers. Yeah. But now we'll say I, I did see I, I did uh, finish Jack Ryan where he, you know, he started. He, he's the lead in that. And OK, so he does that character well, but I he still doesn't have that guy next door appeal that Chris Evans has, you know. Right. Well, I guess here. 
Here's a quick game we could play. Cast, don't cast, or retire. Who, what do you do with Captain America? Who do you, you cast? give it to Bucky. Who do you cast? Who, you, who do you not cast? Or do you retire the role? So which order would you go? I go Bucky. Okay. You pass the title to Bucky. Because in one of the, in some of the comics, I can't remember if this was like Ultimate Universe or, or, or which one. No, I think it happened with the regular after it was okay. Cap six. died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's precedent for Bucky taking it over. Mm-hmm. There is a very good argument to be made for MCU Bucky taking it over because they were they have been friends since World War II, since mm-hmm. before World War II. Yep. Steve rescued Bucky from being a brainwashed Hydra assassin. Right. I mean, if it wasn't for him, he would still be that way. Yeah, N- that's true. So it only makes sense for him to uh, to to take the shield and at least a variation of the costume, maybe like the U.S. agent version, I don't know, mm-hmm. as a tribute to him. Right. And then you have all these wonderful opportunities for character development, where it's kind of like, uh, I've got to bring, I've got to do the title justice. You know, I've got to live up to his reputation. Okay. So you're saying... And I've got to... Go ahead. So you're saying cast Sebastian Stan as Bucky, a.k.a. Cap. Mm-hmm. Don't cast Sam Wilson, and we're not retired. Retiring Cap at all. We're not retiring Cap, and no. I'm just going to call this the MCU Falcon, in my opinion, is much more interesting of a character than the comics Sam Wilson. Yeah. He is. So, he is. So I want to see more Sam as Falcon. But, you know, I liked – see, I – I liked Sam in the early days of Falcon when he had the the low cut opening to a shirt in the red and white wings and yeah you know, the the Falcon from the eighties seventies and eighties was awesome right and I think that's what I like about the movie Falcon is kind of got that vibe yeah mm-hmm. the current Falcon is. I, in the books, um, I'm not as sold on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what about you, Kylan? See. You know the thing is, I, I, I'm I'm of two minds because I like the idea I like the idea of Bucky you know taking up the shield, but I at the same time he has that whole thing going on in going on in Wakanda where he's the White Wolf, so I don't know what that means for him there. Okay, yeah, you know, so there's that, but at the same time I'm like I. I, I wonder how how well would it play with Sam Sam Wilson becoming Cap. I like it. I, I I like the idea of it, but that's because I like the MCU Sam Sam Wilson. I do, but at the same time, you know what? I think it'd be interesting to see the interplay between Bucky and Sam as Cap and Falcon. You know, because right. you know it's going to be different than between him and Steve, mm-hmm. uh, especially. Considering that between the two of them, Steve is the nice guy. But between Bucky and Sam, Sam's the nice guy. Because uh-huh. I get to film Bucky, I get to film Bucky wouldn't, he wouldn't hesitate to, you know. Right. So, yeah. okay, here's yeah. here's another little angle. Sam is uh, his his job in, at the start of Winter Soldier was as a counselor for veterans with PTSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the Bucky Sam relationship could benefit, or Bucky could benefit from the relationship with Sam because I mean, it, it seems to me that Sam will know what, how to that. handle it. Yeah. yeah. So somehow they're going to need to. I, I think they should be partnered up now. 
whether you make Bucky the new Sam or you make Bucky the White Wolf, um, I still like the idea of him being Cap more so than White Wolf. That's just me. Right. And your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's that's an aspect of Sam's character that, that really just hasn't been utilized to, to its – it hasn't lived up to the potential. I can no, see it that. hasn't. I can see that. Of course, right now he's a, he, he's a pile of dust at the moment, so, you know, it's – so we'll have to get him back before that happens. Well, they're both. Um, so I want to say Simon. Yeah, they're Garfunkel. both ash piles now. But you know, I, I want right. to say, aren't they both Simon and Garfunkel? You know, dust in the wind. Dude, uh, that was Kansas. Yeah, yeah, Kansas, Kansas man. Sorry, yeah, that was Kansas. Yeah. Bad, Michael. Chinese, Bad. Chinese collusion. Oh my god. Chinese <laughs> confusion. You mean that too? <laughs> That too. Oh my gosh! So, oh man. Um, but uh, we can move on to what actually is turning into a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and I would say surprise is a small word. It is a is an understatement. But I, I don't know how to describe the. We're talking about the success that is Venom, and and you've you heard you've heard us talk about this uh, ever since. You know, the first concepts uh, of the movie and, you know, the question, was it going to be in the MCU? Was it not? Is it tied to Spider-Man or is it not? All that. So you you guys were if you were listening regularly, you know that we had all these discussions. Okay, so uh, it opened last week. And as of uh, today, which is the 11th of October, the domestic take. Now, this is from Box Office Mojo. The domestic take is 102,846,991 dollars. Now, the foreign box office is 127,152,882 dollars for a grand total of 229,999,873 dollars. Now, this movie has broken records. I believe it broke records for being having the biggest uh, October opening. And it also, I believe it beat Captain America, the first Avenger, and Thor, the Dark World. I think it did. I think it beat the openings for both of those, too. Yeah, imagine that. Um, And so... uh, Having said all that, and mind you, this is uh, with a budget of a hundred million. That was the budget. Uh, so they've uh, more than uh, made that. They they made back made back the the initial investment, and I'm I'm certain that we're gonna see more of Tom Hardy and Venom. Uh, at least in the in in maybe within the next few years, we should definitely see a second Venom movie. I'm excited for that. But having said all that I did uh, my, my wife and I did uh, go see this movie last Thursday night opening night and I, I I will tell you that I was pleasantly surprised it's a fun movie it, it was it, it actually the the humor in it there was a lot more humor than I expected and it's intentional humor and it works okay uh, and I would say that uh, that Eddie Brock that well Tom Hardy 
Hardy's grasp on Eddie Brock is he, is he definitely makes him his own character. Uh, he doesn't he, he comes across as brash and in your face, but there's a reason for that. Um, and he and, and the reason makes sense, especially once you get into the movie and you start uh, understanding what who who Eddie is and what he does for a living and all that. Um, the, 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 the absence of the connection to Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse almost is, uh, a non-factor. Right. I'll be honest with you. Uh, they, they, you could tell that they had to seriously think about how do we manifest these powers because there's certain things that we just can't do. And they, they do, they, they do a good job of, of manifesting that. Um, and they Give Venom a personality that, to me, it to me it makes him a more likable character because of the way they handled him. Uh, the The trailer gives you a completely different feel than what the movie actually is. Um, I will now I will tell you the the writing the dialogue isn't all isn't necessarily great through the whole thing, but that's not the reason you come to see this movie. This is a this is a kickback, enjoy yourself kind of movie. It's not Black Panther. It's not Winter. It's not uh, Winter Soldier. It's not Civil War. You're not sitting there trying to glean some deeper meaning from the movie. This is just pretty much you're there. Let's watch the action. Let's listen to the. Let's pay attention to the interplay and let's have some fun. And that's what that's what I did. And I got everything that I expected and a little more. Uh, I will t- tell you that there are two. Two post credit clips. Uh, the first one, uh, we uh, if you're if you're used to the MCU post credit clips, this one would be it may be a little bit of an eye roll, but that's okay. But the second uh, post credit clip was a pleasant surprise, uh, and I would suggest that you take the time, stick around for both of them. You won't be disappointed. Okay. And I think I think that you overall, if you just go in looking to have a good time, you won't be disappointed with Venom either. Okay. Well, in the order of one to five Hell Hydras or Hydra Heads, how many Hydra Heads would you give it? You know what? Uh, just because of the sheer fun of it, I'm going to give it four. I yeah, Okay. I say because of the sheer fun, but marking off for some of the dialogue, I'll give it three and three quarters Hydra heads. Okay. Oh, cool. Now, yeah. this is PG-13, right? Yeah. Oh, and I will tell you, they definitely take the PG-13 to the limit. They, uh, they, they do. They, they take it to the limit. Um, so if you're thinking about taking your kids to see it, just be prepared. There is some language. Um, there's it. Just, just, just be prepared. Just if you remember what PG 13 was like back in the eighties, it's kind of like that now. Woman in red. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, 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 okay. I'll put you like this. Think woman in red minus the, the scene towards the end of the movie. If you know what I'm talking about, where right before before uh, Gene Wilder had to leave, and there's a shot that you see. So imagine a movie with pretty much all those sensibilities minus that scene, and you'll be okay. All right. Well, I guess staying on the PG-13 line. Yeah, speaking of PG-13, we've got a new release 
of Deadpool 2. It's going to be a PG-13 re-release this Christmas in theaters. And yeah, I know, I know on the surface, it seems about as crazy as Braille keypads on a drive-thru ATM. I get that. But don't you laugh, son, because I've seen it. (laughs) You've seen it. Okay, so Deadpool 2, very much a, a hard R rating. And oh yeah, and quite frankly, it needs to have R ratings. But Fox is going to re-release a PG-13 version. Uh, hoping, obviously, to get some box office dollars from uh, the younger ones who couldn't go see it when it was rated R. They right. finally listen. They're, they're caving in to all the mom. But our children went to see it, and the theaters are turning us away. But there are going to be 15 minutes of new footage. Okay. And it's going to introduce a new character who wasn't featured in the original. Okay, it... <sighs> I think this this is brilliance on Fox's part. Right. Okay, because, uh, let's see, on September 28th, Ryan Reynolds tweeted out a picture. It is recreating a scene from The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I still don't think you think it means what it think it means. I still don't think it means what you think it means. Or I don't know what I mean by that. So basically, you have a grown-up Fred Savage lying in bed with a Chicago Bears jersey, just like he he did in the older days. But but sitting in the chair reading to him is not Peter Falk, Columbo, Grandpa. It's Deadpool. Ah, uh, yeah. I want to hear now, Ryan Reynolds do a Peter. Falk impersonation at some point. This, to me, I, what this tells me is that this is how they're cutting around the the more R-rated moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Deadpool is sitting there going, well, there was a lot of uh, gory stuff. It was really awesome, but you know, we're going to skip over that because for the other kids out there. Right. Or something snarky to that effect. So really, I think I think this is this is going to work well because they get to play the Princess Bride. Everybody loves that movie, right? I mean, if 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 you if you're a person that does not like the Princess Bride, you and I just cannot be friends. Talk to my (laughs) left hand because you sure as heck ain't right. (laughs) If not, you so I if not, we'll make sure the R.O.U.S.S.s pay a visit. Yeah, I don't think they exist. Famous (laughs) last words. So yeah, I mean if you if you take this as a the the Deadpool before Christmas, that's that's what they're calling this. To be kind of a parody of the Princess Bride where Deadpool is reading to grown-up Fred Savage a story with with parts of the movie, the more PG-13 parts of the movie being shown. Right. right? Then I think whoever came up with this needs a raise or at least a good hefty bonus. Yeah, because I think this keeps in the spirit of Deadpool and it just it, it, it accomplishes so many things on so many levels. It cleans up the movie. It softens it just a little bit for the kiddies. It doesn't ruin the movie. Because in and of itself, it's become a self-parody. And how much of Deadpool is self-parody to begin with? Right. So there you go. Uh, The Mm -hmm. article that I'm reading from that I'm taking all this stuff from was from uh, MovieWeb.com. Says it was uh, previously reported by MCU Cosmic. So, you know, again, whoever originally came up with this, give that person money. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree. And, you know, even though though we saw Deadpool, 
I think I saw it in the theater like three times. So no, I saw it in the theater three times. Uh, we're, we're going to see this one too because, you know, Fred Savage, why not? I, I just want to see how they handle. Uh, I, yeah. I, I just want to see how they handle it because it's 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 almost like you're watching, you go to watch the original Deadpool 2 and then you go watch a parody of it. It's almost like watching the, the Lego Star Wars shorts that rip off the movies. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think this does the franchise a disservice, but I can see too where they're just going, well, it's a cash cow, let us take advantage. Well, I, I don't see it as taking advantage, really, mm. because by making it a self-parody, it keeps the original, well, pure, for right. lack of a better so that way people are saying, well, they're they're making it they're they're caving. No, they're not really caving. No. Right. Putting they're putting a product out there for the kiddies, but it it's not it, they're not trying to edit it down to PG-13 and sell it as a serious Deadpool movie. Right. Right. So to me, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. Those who like the rated R movie have their rated R movie. Those who want a PG-13, well, they got one. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, to move on, Sony, going back the other direction, um, apparently Richard Winnick, who is writing the Craven the Hunter movie, has revealed he's currently working on the script, and it could even feature Spider-Man, um, which it seems that Sony's going to draw upon Craven's Last Hunt as the influence for this movie. Okay. Now, Venom was something of a gamble for Sony, and mm-hmm. obviously there's still critics out there going, yeah, don't know if the spinoffs are going to work. Um, if you're not going to tie him in to Spider-Man in the MCU, but um, the discussing film podcast posted an interview with Winnick um, and he dropped some some bombshells from Marvel fans. Uh, the quote is, it's an interesting world, a great character. It's in the Spider-Man universe. I'm going to adhere, uh, I'm going to adhere very closely to the lore of Kraven the Hunter. He's going to come face to face with Spider-Man. I think that that's where we're all circling is that this is Kraven's last hunt. And whether this is a precursor to that movie, whether it will include it, we're talking about those things and even the idea that maybe Craven could be like Kill Bill, basically a two-part movie. It's all in the mix. Um, okay. So, I mean, this sounds pretty cool. Uh, it, it Like every other MCU film, coming out and saying it's it's going to be influenced by Craven's Last Hunt definitely leaves some great stuff there. But wasn't Spider-Man in Craven's Last Hunt, wasn't he wearing the, the black suit? I think he was. Um, it's possible. I... I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. Uh, now, um, I think he was. As a matter of fact, yes, yes, he yeah. was. Now, the statement's kind of shocking, or as some people would say, remarkable, as it suggests Spider-Man could yet be considered part of Sony's Spider Villains universe. Uh, and it's important to stress that Wink is pretty early on in the writing process, and he's at that stage as he. Puts it, you know, just kind of throwing everything on the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, and yet, just not only does Wink explain that he's trying to, in, he's been enjoying a collaboration, a collaborative relationship with other Sony and Marvel figures, but he also sounds very confident indeed when describing the plan to have 
Craven face off against Spider-Man. Uh, even his references to Craven's last hunt uh, should have been seen in the light that the arc focusing on the relationship between Craven and Spider-Man and on Craven's desperate desire to prove himself um, Spidey's equal before passing away. It's very hard indeed to imagine a version of Craven's last hunt without Spider-Man in it. Now, and of course, this is what we're saying about Venom too. It's hard to imagine a Venom movie without Spidey in it. Right. So, and I, I walked into, I walked into Venom feeling that same way, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's what I got with that. Well, you know, I hope it does well because I don't want anything Marvel to fail, uh, even if it's not not Marvel Studios. And I felt that way about. Uh, I felt that I felt that way about Venom. I was hoping I didn't have a good feeling about it, but I was hoping to be turned be uh, proven wrong. That mm-hmm. it's doing better than expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you another movie that has totally blown away expectations, and that of course being Black Panther. Oh yeah, I mean Black Panther. <sighs> I had a feeling it was going to do well because Marvel Studios, first of all, and second of all, Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. But, guys, I was not expecting 700 million domestic and 1.3 billion worldwide. No, that, that, no, that was that's that's ridiculous money. Uh, that is such ridiculous money. I think that blew everybody away. So you know, uh, just about from the get go, people were saying, "Well, when are we going to get a sequel? When are we going to get a sequel?" Well, the thing is, they didn't have Chadwick Boseman or especially Ryan Coogler. I mean, I think they may have had Boseman down, but uh, they didn't have Coogler. Well, apparently they do now. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter. Said uh, typically a filmmaker is more than willing to quickly sign for a follow up, and a studio is eager to snap up a key piece of talent in the lead up or uh, to or right after a successful opening. Uh, says Coogler's camp shook off the peer pressure and took its time in making a deal. But they never did announce it until recently. They said they uh, they they struck the deal under the radar, quote unquote, some time ago. So if you're able to keep it under the radar for this long, my hat is off to you, sir or ma'am, mm-hmm. because I, I would think that Coogler signing on for a sequel that that would be big news in and of itself, right? Oh yeah, but very much. Anyway, so. sources are saying that the plan at this stage is for Coogler to write the script next year with an eye to start production either late 2019 or early 2020. Now, uh, it does say here that Marvel and parent company Disney, however, have not made any official announcements about Marvel's slate of movies beyond the release of the next Avengers pick in May of next year and a Spider-Man Homecoming sequel in July. Right. I don't think that's accidental. Mm-mm. No. That can't be accidental because, hey, you've got half the event, you've got half the MCU, you know, as as stuff that could be sucked up by a dustbuster. Yeah. You don't want to spill the beans and tip your hat by saying, oh, well, you know, you know, Bucky's going to come back in, you know, a 2020 movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're kind of sp- they're kind of tipping the hat here saying, well, we're going to get another Black Panther movie. So we know Black Panther is coming back from the land of Asheville. Right. So, yeah, I, I think this is great news. I think I think we're going to do I don't want to put too much hype on this. Uh, 
this movie already, but given how well that the first Black Panther movie did, mm-hmm. I don't think it's realistic to think that it's going to do at least as equally well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Black Panther being the first MCU solo movie with a African-American as the lead. Well, Kugler's, I know, Bozeman, is he from America or is he? Yes. Tag, Tag Bozeman, uh, is he British? No, he's American. Uh, okay. All right. I say African-American because, well. He's just that good of an actor. Yeah, he's just that good. I say, I want to claim him, even if he's not American. There you go. So, yeah. So you're going to have the, the sequel to that. Mm-hmm. So now you have a franchise headed up by a black man. I think that is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, and, and guys, I'm just going to point this out. This has absolutely nothing to do with Marvel, but it says Coogler is also executive producing the sequel to Space Jam. Uh, yeah. Remember that movie? Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes. Yeah. This one's going to star LeBron James. It, it seems appropriate, you know? I, yeah. I just, Not I, just I saying suddenly, that because he's... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying I'm I'm suddenly very, very afraid. Hunting <laughs> well, uh, no. Wabbit. <laughs> I'll be very quiet. I'm hunting a sequel. Uh, 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 <laughs> be very, very quiet, Hale Hydra. Oh my gosh! I do not need. I, I was like, I'm just picturing him as a, in a, in a Hydra uniform. I don't know. I'll kill the captain. Cause kill the, the watchers. Kill the watchers. Kill the watchers. Yo, because you know, Wiley Coyote would be working for AIM, so you know. Okay. <laughs> you, could, you, you know he would. Could, yes, could, yes. Could, could you imagine Foghorn Leghorn as Nick Fury? Well, now I, I say there, son, son. Come on, I, I say now that that Modoc. I say that Modoc. He just ain't right in the head. <laughs> Boy, I say, boy, I got my eye on you. That's all I got, too. Yeah. Well. No, no, I got I got one for you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yosemite Sam as the Punisher. <laughs> oh, the roughest, toughest, rudeness, tootness. Razzle, frazzle, mafia varmints. Going to fill your carcass full of lead. Mm. And we have successfully derailed the entire issue. I'm I'm just trying to figure out where do we put Speedy Gonzalez. Uh, I mean, not Speedy. Silver? He would be quick. I mean, Slowpoke Rodriguez. I, 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 Slowpoke to... Rodriguez would be that guy in Ant Man. Yes. With the all of a sudden, like when he tells a story, he's like, "Yes." Well, you see, <laughs> you see, Senor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, yeah. Si- since we since Wait. we went diverse with this conversation as well. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Oh, that's a heck of a segue. Okay. So there's no wheels yeah, on it. There are none. None. You know. But see, because we have shield technology, is actually kind of a hover type of thing. You know. So, it's a, it's a hover segue. It's a it's a hover 
segue because that's what we do here. <laughs> but okay, so uh, a little bit of news, talk, discussion, what have you, from um, San Diego Comic Con, New York. Uh, oh, oh, wow, yeah, New, York. New York. Thank you. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking New York and not. Geez. So anyway, I digress because <laughs> I was yes. a little distracted. Anyway, yeah. I'm back now. New York like, Comic Con was this past weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah, yep. it, it was. And yep. I, yep. I, I yep. have to admit, because I gotta say this, because it's in my head right now. I, I'm picturing, I'm picturing Porky Pig as like the, the their MCU's version of Coulson. I, I just had to get that out there, because yeah, and you're welcome. I watch you while you were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Be in the be in the be in. Don't touch. Look, 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 keep your hands off. I'm I'm from the department of shield. Oh my gosh. Okay, oh, we okay. just derailed Kylan again. I'm sorry. Oh my, no, no, you're not. It's okay. You're right. I'm okay. not. <laughs> have we ever been sorry? Oh my no, but we should have been a lot of times. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. So yes. Yeah, so talking about New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con. The so there was uh, a discussion during a panel that featured. Uh, the Women of Marvel podcast host, uh, hosts uh, Santa Amanette and Judy Stevens. Okay, so they they hosted this panel along with assistant editor Kathleen Wisniewski, writer Margaret Stoll, writer Leah Williams, colorist Rochelle Rosenberg, and artist Jen Bartell. All now, hopefully first- featured guests of the show. Yes, we would love we to have you We would love on. every one of them. Please. So so now the purpose of the panel was to discuss what it was like working in comics from a female perspective and what the fans can expect from Marvel in the future. So now there there was a Q&A section uh session with uh, uh no with the panel. And so a young female fan brought up the topic of dipping cells and asking if the panelists uh believed that the decrease were due to forced diversity in hiring people with that experience. Let that sink in for a bit, okay? So, now, Aminat replied, no, absolutely no. That's a quote. She goes on to say, there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. People try to conflate things at times, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, and Williams Williams added, uh, referring to how some readers attempt to draw correlations between things that may not actually be related. Then Bartell then asked the fan if she would ask male creators same question, to which the fan responded that she would ask anyone. And then finally, Aminette took the time to address and dispel the hiring without experience notion saying, we do look at what people do. You have to have experience and if you're talented, we will hire you. Okay. Now, uh, there are, and this is something we've discussed on the show here, is that, uh, that you know, um, with Mar- Marvel, well, and Marvel's never shied away from uh, embracing diversity and, and uh, addressing social issues. They haven't. Uh, they haven't shied away from that. But we have discussed that uh, maybe their recent stance on this, being being a little bit more aggressive, has resulted in, uh, for, you know, Falling sales, uh, but uh, the thing is, you know, there's there's a lot 
that and like like the uh, the like uh, the panelist says, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes here, um, and you know where it, 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 so I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we can just bring bring it here. Like the truth is, I, I feel like Marvel has Marvel's done a really good job of bringing in. Like, well, okay, they they did go through that run of keeping uh, of keeping classic characters but putting uh new people into those roles right and and it did it didn't sit well for some of them because it was just a case of oh you, except okay there were there are some cases that where we know that those there are certain characters that are actually more of a title like okay like thor is more of a title than a role now than than a character uh Captain America is a title, um, and Black Panther is a title. Uh, but what's happened? What's happened is that you know, as they as they try to, and I I don't like to call it forced diversity. I feel like that's that's putting a negative spin on what Marvel was attempting to do. Now they've managed to come out of it. I feel like uh, with a more balanced approach. So that you know, we we have Miles Morales. Okay, true Miles Morales is Spider Man, but he's sort of like his own Spider Man. He's not trying to replace Peter Parker. He's trying to figure out his own way in all of this. Right. And you have Kamala Khan, who it makes sense for her to take on the the role of Ms. Marvel because, well, Carol Danvers, she's Captain Marvel. She's got her own thing. She's not trying to hold on to be Ms. Marvel. Um, and the whole Hulk thing, you know, uh, okay, Amadeus Cho, he's just a dude that's having fun. You know, he just happens. To, I think what's starting to, what we're starting to see now is that these characters that were introduced and, you know, maybe the feel at the beginning was, oh, they were, they were introduced because, you know, they, they just wanted to put, uh, uh, somebody from another, somebody of another nationality or another person of color into this role. Right. But what we're starting to see is that these are, characters I feel like that are actually starting to come into their own you know I, I see what you're saying and I agree yeah. with it I think at the beginning it it kind of did feel like to use their term forced diversity it's like we want to introduce all these new characters right and but it just felt like at the time it was coming at the cost of characters that we have known and loved for years for decades right so that's that was the issue that i had with it right because it's kind of like oh well peter parker is so old he's ancient he's not he's not hip he's not relevant anymore so we're going to put him out of the way and we're going to bring in this newer, hipper, younger, more culturally diverse Spider-Man. Right. right. Or or like with um, with Riri Williams coming in to replace Tony Stark as Iron Man. Right. It, it just felt like and this this was like I said, it was the only problem I had with it because, yes, we want diversity. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that you're seeing more characters that are that are female, that are uh, of different cultural and ethical and racial backgrounds but I want my Tony Stark and Peter Parker yeah. right right and I think and I think they've kind of 
notice that. So they are putting, they are moving these people off. You know, you know, Riri Williams, she's, she's getting her own, uh, she got her own title. You know, yes. she's, she's her own character now. She's Iron Heart. It's not Iron Man. Wait, which, uh, is, you, which was a great choice. I think that was a great choice. Now, I still have an issue with Thor to some degree because that's not just his, that's not his title. That's his actual name. Right. Right. Thor, son, that is him. But I love what they did with it to make Jane Foster the Thor because I love the story arc behind that. Right. And now now that you have these characters that are that they came in they were introduced as quote unquote replacements for the iconic Marvel characters. They have branched off. They have grown into their own heroic roles. Right. Yes. And so we get the Peter Parker back. We get the Tony Stark back. Uh, we get the Odin son back. But we still have these newer, diverse characters. I love this. Yeah. I think this is, this is the win-win. This is the – and that may have been their their idea all the time, at which point, if that's the case, um, I tip my hat for their foresight. Right. Yeah. Because it, I did not see it as such at the time. Well, you know, it was – it was it was there was a lot – okay, there was a lot of political political turmoil going on at the time. Not that there's not as that there's as much going on now, but the thing was there was a lot of political turmoil going on. There was all of a sudden uh, a constant change going on at Marvel. So a lot of these a lot of times, you know, for us, a lot of these characters that we knew and loved, you know, okay, and Mar- Marvel likes to reflect the reflect the world that we live in. But you know, all all that was happening, and I I wonder if maybe, and not not that you know somebody somebody you know in you know, Marvel Publishing had some crystal ball could, that could tell. Well, you know, you know they they had no way to know to know that there was going to be all that upheaval going on. But I, I wonder if the if it feels also a matter of timing as well, because we're, we're getting hit in the face day by day. If you're paying attention, what's going on in the news, we're getting hit in the, hit in the face day by day. But this, you read your comics, maybe you want a little bit of escape, a little bit of realism thrown in, but then you kind of getting hit there too. And I think what maybe at that point it got a little too much. But now that we kind of managed to pull, no, I guess pull back from it a little bit. Like you said, now we we. we we were able to see that we have these great characters who right. have come into their own. Um, and, and like you said, I don't know, maybe it was their intent to, you know, from the beginning. And I'm with you. If so, hats off to you because I mean, the truth is now there's who doesn't know who Miles Morales is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't know who Kamal Khan is, you know, um, you're playing the, the Spider-Man game on PlayStation four. You know who Miles Morales is. You you do. And yes, you, do. You, you know who he is because you know him from the comics. You're just sitting there going, okay, how does he get powers? When does he get powers? I want to see him get powers. That sort of thing. That's, that's me too. <laughs> I mean, it's almost it's almost like you see Otto Octavius. You going, okay? When do you become the villain? When do you become the villain? When do you become the villain? But at the same time, you start, dude. I really like this guy. I know that's what I'm struggling with. That I'm that, like, I'm not supposed to like you. I'm just I'm just gonna call. I'm gonna derail this conversation for just thirty seconds, just to say that is the best Doctor Octopus yet. Yeah, that is I better. Agree. Alfred Molina's in Spider Man Two is yes. better than what's going on 
the comics was Superior Spider-Man and mm-hmm. and everything because we start out and this I know was intentional. So again, my hat is off to you, Insomniac Games, the writers, the developers, the directors, everybody. You made me cheer for Doc Ock. Yes, I hate you for it, and I love you for it. And, and I'll, I'll, yeah, because I said like that 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 scene where um where uh, Osborne comes in and shuts him down. And cuts the funding. I was seething, you know? I was seething. I'm like, no, why don't you let the guy do his work? You know, I'm sitting there, I, I, oh, crap, I'm cheering for Doc Ock. Yeah. That uh, moment when you realize that you actually care for someone you know is a villain. Mm-hmm. But he's not a villain at, at this point in the game. He is not a villain at this point. And he's kind of like, he's the guy you want on his on your side. Yes. Well, I, I hate to be the guy who's not on your side, but... We know. Eric, we I need, know. I need you to start us off on our new picks of the week. Uh, new picks of the week. Okay. I know. Yeah. I get worked up thinking I'm going to cheer for Dr. Octopus, and all of a sudden I got to pick some freaking comic books for next week. Uh, may- all right. <laughs> Maybe next week we could do a point seven with more <laughs> game discussion. Uh, all right. My first pick of the week. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. All right. I'm getting out of y'all. Mr. and Mrs. X number four by Kelly Thompson, Oscar Bazaldua, Zaldua, and Terry Dodson. Undercover in the Shi'ar Empire, Rogue and Gambit must infiltrate the Shi'ar homeworld in order to save a precious package. But how are they going to wine and dine the Emperor's elite when these soldiers are hot on their trail? Okay. Kylan, you're up. Well, my first pick of the week is Daredevil number 609 uh, by Charles Soule and Phil Noto. Uh, the 11th hour draws near as Matt Murdock prepares to square off against the kingpin of crime. Matt is forced to ask himself how long can he take hits against the ropes as Daredevil before he has to hang up the horns. But first... Matt will have to embark on a crusade to free the city of New York from Wilson Fisk's mayoral reign. Okay. Well, my first pick of the week is True Believers. What if alien costume possess? What if alien costume possess Spider-Man number one? Mm. Uh, That's a good one. And it's a reprint of What If uh, from 1989. Uh, what if number four? I read that one waiting on an oil change not too long ago. Joys of the MU, which we'll get to here in a bit. There you go. So, Eric, your number two pick. My number two pick is another what if. It is what if Ghost Rider number one by Sebastian Gerner, Casper Wingard, and Alexei Briclot. You've heard whispers of this real world Marvel Universe crossover until now when moral decline and budgetary shortfalls have combined to lower our lawyers' resistance. Sebastian Gerner and Casper Wingard recklessly bring you the tale of the first and only true Nordic black metal band to visit the Marvel Universe through the insanity of likeness release waivers. What role does Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes play, and will your mind survive the brutality? And this one has a John Tyler Christopher variant cover. Yes, and it looks great. Action figure cover. It does look great. It looks awesome. But, but the regular cover looks really good, too, because it's got... Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, playing a flaming guitar while riding on the hood of his flaming charger. Yeah. And he better be playing the Dick Dale version of Ring of Fire at this point. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes. So, Kylan, your second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is The Life of Captain Marvel, number four of five. Uh, this is by Margaret Stoll, Carlos Pacheco, Julian Totino Tedesco. Uh, it was an accident of fate, a mysterious bonding between a superhero, a human, and an alien machine. Marvell and the psyche Megatron that gave her Kree powers have been part of Carol's story since the beginning, but that's just the story you know. The true tale of Carol Danvers and her journey to becoming Captain Marvel begins years ago on a star-filled night in a sleepy town, a night that no one knew would change the world. Okay. Well, my second pick is Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man number 311. No, that's not the band. It's the issue number. Uh, Spider-Geddon tie-in. Few spider-villains fill Peter Parker with fear at the mere mention of their name. Morlin Morlun is one that gets Peter quaking. The inheritors are back, and Morlun has set his sights on Peter Parker and Peter Parker alone, and will not rest until he's destroyed the one spider that has bested him. So, Eric, your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is one of my favorites from the Star Wars Expanded Universe. This is the trade paperback of the Thrawn Trilogy uh, by Mike Barron, Olivier Vatine, and Kevin Ryan. It is Star Wars Legends Epic Collection New Republic Volume 4. The Thrawn Trilogy is here. Five years after the glorious rebel victory against the second Death Star, Luke Skywalker Walker is in the first of a new line of Jedi Knights. Han Solo and Princess Leia are married and have taken on many of the burdens of governing the New Republic. But the galaxy is not yet safe. Far, far away, something festers. One lingering faction of the Empire, near death, but all the more dangerous for it. And a new discovery could spark it back to life. The last of the Emperor's warlords, Grand Admiral Thrawn, is ready to seize his chance as a dark and deadly force. And suddenly, the odds are stacked heavily against Luke, Leia, and Han. Now, this is collecting Star Wars Heir to the Empire numbers 1 through 6, Star Wars Dark Force Rising number 1 through 6, wow. and Star Wars The Last Command number 1 through 6. Kylan, your final pick, please. My final pick is Shuri number 1. Uh, this is by Nnedi Okorafor, Leonardo Romero, and Sam Spratt. Following in the footsteps of the Black Panther, the world fell in love with her in the movie. Now, the Black Panther's techno genius sister launches her own adventures. This is written by best-selling Afrofuturist author Nede Okafor and drawn by Eisner-nominated uh, artist Leonardo Romero. The Black Panther has disappeared, lost on a mission in space. And in his absence, everyone's looking at the next in line for the throne. But Shuri is happiest in the lab, surrounded by gadgets of her own creation. She'd rather be testing gauntlets and throwing them. But... A nation without a leader is a vulnerable one, and Shuri may have to choose between Wakanda's welfare and her own. Okay. Well, my final pick of the week is Star Wars Darth Vader number 22, Fortress Vader Part 4, The Tale of Lord Momin. Plans are drawn, a foundation is laid, and darkness rises on Mustafar. So, uh, I believe, Eric, you've got the MU pick for this week? My MU pick is another What If. Uh, this is What If number 36 from December 1982. 
what if the Fantastic Four had not gained their superpowers? Interesting. In a, world, in a world where Reed Richards decided to wait and do the rocket launch by the book with proper shielding, the mission is a success, and the rocket group becomes a cornerstone of Earth's burgeoning space industry. When the Mole Man's monsters attack, it's the Army's job to investigate Monster Isle, but Reed, Sue, Johnny, and Ben opt to explore the tunnel created beneath their compound anyway. Even without powers, the foursome's courage and ingenuity lead them to victory against the Mole Man all the same. Thus begins the Fantastic Four's career as pulp adventurers. Oh. Okay. There's also a secondary story in here. What if Richard Ryder had not lost the power of Nova? Oh. I won't go into detail on that, but spoiler alert, yeah, he winds up sacrificing the powers anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this issue. Uh, Any quick final thoughts? Uh, No, I I don't have anything. Okay. No, I'm done. I'm done. Well, I'm going to say Hasbro now. That's right. Hasbro announced at New York Comic-Con, Star Wars 6-inch Black Series, Dr. Aphra, BT-1, and Triple Zero. You've been waiting on that for how long? Well, I've been waiting for the normal action figures. Is Aphra supposed to be coming out vintage and it's not out yet? But, oh. to, he- but to hear they're doing Black Series, the 6-inch? Yep. Yeah, that's going to be 60 bucks blown right there. <laughs> at 60 bucks, I will never see again. Yep. And it just means now I need to find a C-3PO and a Luke to go with my R2 to create that set. Now I gotta start looking for some other things as well. But, um, also too, they announced uh, upcoming Mar- legend figures. Uh, you got Charles and Wade in vehicles. Uh, so you got X-Men, uh, Charles Xavier with his uh, his wheelchair, hover chair. You got... The one from the cartoon show. You have uh, Deadpool with Dead Dog from the Deadpool, Deadpool Corps uh, with a scooter. Uh, you also, along with Jubilee, um, you have a Build-A-Figure for Caliban. Uh, you have the remaining children of Thanos um, coming with uh, with Ebony Maw and Corvus Glaive. Uh, Spidey versus Kraven. And... Um, Marvel, the first 10 years, we have Ant-Man and Yellowjacket coming. So You've um, got Forge. What's that? And you've got Forge. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I, thought, I always thought Forge was a very underrated character, and he never got enough screen time. No. Yeah. So um, other than that, that is it for us. So uh, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. That was my favorite version of X Factor. Saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>